Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Gene Bereson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. And today we're going to be talking about why narratives, why stories are so important to us as human beings. But actually, before we get to any of that, we should talk about why there's another person on the set. There's this guy right in between us. Oh, oh, really? oh I didn't. You did, you didn't <laughs> I didn't know. Right, right. I, right. I, so I this is. Hello. So just stop. Okay. Yeah, thank you. This is Eric. Um, Eric Liu is a physician who graduated last, last year. year from yeah. Harvard Medical School. He's also a filmmaker. Um, t tell us just a little yeah. bit about what you do. What, yeah. What do you do? I am a filmmaker. My whole mission is to make films that heal, um, and I love stories. I've always been a storyteller, and even in college, I majored in anthropology, so it was all about ethnographies and narratives. Um, but I really wanted to apply that in a certain way, so that's why I ended up going to medical school. Um, but somewhere along the lines, um, I, I took a gap year between college and med school, and my two friends and I, um, we decided to start making videos on YouTube just for fun, just as a hobby. Um, it was... It's rarely done these days. Nobody makes <laughs> videos on YouTube. Yeah, it's I, very it's, yeah back then it was like cats and dogs right. and babies. I mean, they still do that now, I guess. Yeah, but lots of cat videos. Yeah. But you actually tell stories. Yeah, so the very first video we did was after the Haiti earthquake. And we wanted to do something, we wanted to respond. And so my friends and I, we went into a New York City subway station and we bust and we sang. And if you knew us, this, you would know that this is a terrible idea. We're terrible singers, but we did it. We made a video of it and we pledged to donate a penny for every view we got. And, you know, thinking that it would just be our moms watching it on refresh and we get like 20 yeah, I was gonna say, so the it. nation of Haiti received $24. Right, so, right? exactly. Well, they probably got a lot, right? Within a week, we got 1,000 views. Wow. You know, and we're like, oh my gosh, do we have that much money? We were just college students. And we, and, but most importantly, we were like, wow, these videos have potential for social change. Sure do. Um, and so we kept making more and we kept telling stories through them. And um, we just grew and grew. Our videos started going viral. We had two million views for one of our shorts um, that was raising awareness for the American Society for Deaf Children. And it was a love story that we told. So it wasn't explicitly like, oh, this is like the statistics or this is the facts. It was like a very compelling story that moved people, that made them want to share it with their friends. You know, they would go like, hey, have you seen this? Have you seen Love Language? And you know, there would be remakes of it too. Like people would just have like copies of it. They would do it oh. themselves and post it on YouTube. Um, but this was the Jubilee Project? This was Jubilee Project, yeah. And we had no intention of becoming filmmakers. I had no intention of becoming a filmmaker, um, but it just got to a point where um, we, I just fell in love with making films. I took a, a two year leave of absence from medical school after my second year to move out to Los Angeles to make films on YouTube full-time. I'll bet there's no one else in Los Angeles making films. Is, is that, that was a Just very one or two. Or tell, or telling story. strategic move. Yeah. We did move in with my parents. Uh, also, no one else. <laughs> nah. They weren't very happy about no, it. I'm giving Eric a hard time, but, but just so folks know, it's really inspiring, actually. If you watch these movies, what they do is advocate for people, not by saying the prevalence of this particular syndrome or this particular problem is X, what they tell you is a story about somebody with this particular problem. So you're not thinking about the problem, you're thinking about the person. And that's, that's key, yeah. right, yeah. For, yeah. for story. And it's something that film lends itself especially to. Yeah. Um, 
stories are incredible ways to generate empathy. Um, you um, are able to watch a character, you're able to put yourself in that character's shoes and you're able to go on this incredible journey with that character and see the world from his or her perspective and really get to understand what it's like to be that character and you can do that through a narrative, you can do that through films. Yeah. And so, you know, for those of you that don't know, um, Eric is working with us at the Clay Center to do just that, to make films. So um, how'd you get hooked up with us? <laughs> well, Gene <laughs> uh, that, was... That was a leading question. Gene <laughs> um, was my um, preceptor, my, I, would, I would consider mentor and advisor uh, during medical school. And we met during my third year of medical and school. And I didn't even know you were a filmmaker. I mean, for most of the... Well, I think at the beginning you said you made films, but I... But it's like, yeah, whatever. I, so yeah. whatever, you know, yeah. 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 iPhones and films. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So we didn't really, I think, start talking about it towards the end of my um, rotations when, um, you know, I found out more about Clay Center and um, kind of this whole, this vision about using multimedia to really tell incredible stories. And for me, um, I really wanted to, um, fuse filmmaking, storytelling with wellness, with yeah. mental health and well-being. Yeah, and it was a wonderful match. I, I remember when I first saw that um, Jubilee Project film that you did um, called Skid Row, mm. um, where basically they go out on the street in San Francisco. San Francisco? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. it's the West Coast. You know, they're both going to fall into the ocean. <laughs> I, I should move out here, huh? <laughs> you should move back to Boston. No, but, but um, um, so they go out on the street into Skid Row and asked one question, what is your dream? And, and just to be clear, so if you don't know, Skid Row is where it's a it's a neighborhood in Los Angeles where folks are largely homeless and down on their I luck. I Skid Row was more ways. generic. I mean, there's Skid Row. I thought Skid Row applied to any it's, place it's, where they are. Homeless origination was it, Los Angeles, it's really, and really. then it became a sort of term that you see in movies right. and books and stories that refers to any large homeless section, right. which obviously is off topic. But that you went to I the did, original yeah. Skid Row, yeah. Yeah. So. and so one question: What is your dream? And it is unbelievably powerful. I mean, these guys are telling their stories. I mean, yeah. with this one question. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it also it also does this thing for me, which is I. Whenever I see somebody on, on the street, I want to know their story. Like, it's actually frustrating to me that I can't know everybody's stories because that's how you make connections. That's how, you yeah. know, since we've been speaking as a species, we've been telling stories to each other, telling stories about each other. So that movie, like, provided a service, made me know individuals as unique people, uniquely yeah. um, so, so Steve, Steve, so I, I know you've written a number of papers about this and you've thought about this and you're a writer and have worked with film. So wh wh what is it about the human brain, about human species that makes narrative so vital? Uh, it, I can tell you a story about it. So here's, here's what we know. Look, it's not like... Really you, briefly. Yeah, I mean, it's because like you need, could go on forever. Yeah, you could, but you don't need to. No. We don't need big scientific it's simple. studies... It's simple. Keep it simple. ...to, to sort of tell yeah. you that stories matter. But what we do know, if you look at uh, functional MRI scanners and you have uh, 
people hear stories or watch stories, whether you're doing this in a sort of auditory form where you're reading stories to them, or when they're reading stories themselves, when they're reading novels, which, by the way, derives itself, the word novel comes from novelty. So the brain experiences something in a novel way, experiences something uh, that it wouldn't have seen had it not been provided in a story. And you can do these experiments. We can uh, provide information in terms of bullet points, right. so like, you know, this happens and this happens and this happens, or you can tell the story. And when you tell the story, much more of the brain is engaged. And by that, especially we mean both higher and lower brain regions, and they're engaged seamlessly. So the emotions and the thinking part of the brain are connected in a, in a, in a, in a, in a novel way. Only connect. That's and and yeah. wait a second, but it also connects communities because, you know, oral tradition and stories have been a part of like all civilizations in fact, in fact, and all a, communities. There's a theory that um, once uh, we sort of oozed out of hunter-gathering status and went from larger than 20, 25 people, we actually needed some cohesive ideology to bind so us together. So they became the glue. And the glue were stories, Wh whether these were religious stories, ideological stories, political stories. All of these things appear to be necessary for folks to feel like they have things in common. We also know stories can be divisive, right? Because right. you can use them to separate yourself from someone else. The nice thing about film, as you point out, is it creates empathy. And it's awfully hard to feel like you're not part of something when you're empathic towards it. Right. That's the strength of it, right. of that format of storytelling. Right. Yeah. And I like to think about um, stories, um, filmmaking especially, narratives, with uh, three Cs. So you got character, and you got conflict, and you have change. And so character, because you want to, you know, that's why with Pixar movies, even when they shoot cars, or, <laughs> you know, they all have eyes, or Wally, you know, they all have, like, eyes. They all have, like, almost like a facial feature so you can identify with them. Yeah. Um, so that you can identify with the character and really be moved by their journey. You want to, you know, usually these characters have a desire or a want, but there's an obstacle standing in their way and you want to root for them. And this obstacle is the conflict, the second C, but that creates engagement because you want to see if they succeed or not. That draws you in. And then, you know, they start at one place in point A and by the end they're at another place to so change. You see a transformation that happens. And oftentimes when that happens, you know, you, 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 there's almost this sort of catharsis you know, this like release of emotions that you're like, yes, you know, it just, it just really compels you and convicts you. And that's what I love about stories. Well, and there's one other C that I just thought of, which yeah. um, is probably important for the kinds of films that we're making, and that is conversation yeah. um, or connection, is that, is that they, they inspire change, but I think they also inspire people to talk with each other or connect with each other. I mean, I, I don't watch movies alone. You like to go to movies by yourself. I like to see movies with other people because I like the interaction that happens during the movie and after, especially oh, after, talk after, after the movie. Oh, I talk to people there, <laughs> We talk. I mean, I'm sure you do. That's what's so fun about it. Yeah, yeah it's you community. Are. So, yeah. 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 yeah, it is yeah. community. So that yeah. other C is the community yeah. connection conversation component that's four C's. Look, look Boy, when I, I was can, in I high could, school, can go on <laughs> I can go on with C. Yeah. There was no way I was going on a date that didn't have a movie first because we had to have something to talk about afterwards. Yeah. Especially and, the drive-ins right. back when I went. They're still, they're still out there. I mean, the, I guess the point we're making is to get across the need to take action over so many of the problems that we're concerned about, you know, at the Clay Center and just in general. It's another C. It's a call for action. 
we could I mean, do this. <laughs> we could do this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> we can just keep going with yeah. these with these C's. <laughs> to do that, you got to actually put people in the shoes of the folks who are suffering. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's awfully hard to do that in a PowerPoint, but you can do it by telling a story. And you can do it really well, and you can see all of the expressions, even if it's on the face of a car, like in, yeah. in the Pixar cars. And one of the tenets of storytelling is show, don't tell. Yeah. You know, you're, you, you don't tell someone to right. do something. You kind of just, you know, show them and allow them to kind of make that decision themselves, because that, that's much deeper yeah. in them. You know, they would really feel empowered and want to take action. And, and what we want, I think, is for, for example, with Skid Row, we want people then to think, you know what, this just ain't right. There shouldn't be a Skid Row in the wealthiest nation in the history of the world. Those folks shouldn't be on the street. What can we do to get them off the street? Yeah. Like, like that's what you want. You want them and, to take and, and to use uh, one of the Clay Center films, the first one we did, Looking for Luke, yeah. um, we wanted to destigmatize uh, depression and suicide, particularly in the Asian American population. But we also wanted it to be a call for action Right to get people to kind of like empathize with with Luke's parents and what they went through, you know, losing their son. I mean, so how was it making that film? I mean, that was I mean, that that was a heavy film. That was a really um, difficult film to make. Um, I am really grateful for the parents for being willing to oh. open and share, even just kind of the mistakes and and what happened and. Um, I think by doing that, by saying that, oh, in the beginning we didn't think depression was the real thing, we didn't think it was serious, um, there, and, th and then after Luke died by suicide, and then they started reading through all his journals, talking to his closest friends, and realizing that he did have depression, and that depression is deadly, and now they're mental health advocates. Now they want to do something. Now they want to tell all the parents, all the children, everyone that, hey, you guys got to talk about this. You know, and, and so by documenting their journey yeah. in this film, you're able to see how they come to the realization that, you know, this is something that needs to be done. And then you feel like, you feel empathy for the parents and you feel this need to want to talk about mental health, you know, whether it's with your peers or with your own parents, you feel a need to take action as well. You feel yeah. almost this yeah. frustration that, man, something needs to be done. So the film really captured their change and their transformation. And every time I watch that film, I cry. So I, I know it's, it moves and there's, the, the, there's not a dry eye in the theater. You know, so it, their change, yeah. you found a way to capture it in a way that the audience feels it too, and that's well, the empathy component. It, of well, it, right? even more than their change, we in mental health, I think, I think we're guilty of this. We have a tendency to demonize uh, parents and others who right. don't understand or even believe in the syndromes that we treat. This really humanizes that view. Yeah. Those parents weren't—they're not bad people. They're not—you know—no one's worth being demonized, but they're not. They're—they're no. they're trying their hardest, and. It took some coming around for them, and now they've become advocates for it. That that service of the film, I think, is greater than any other service it provides. So, um, we're great. We're grateful that you're working with us. You said we're great. <laughs> <laughs> I was no. I, I was I, the great. We're Gosh great. Started, we're great. People like me. <laughs> <laughs> we are great. No, 
we're, we're really grateful that you're working with us because you, you have a talent to capture things that, um, that other people don't see. I mean, um, let me just ask you this. Um, there must be something that you put of yourself into these films. I mean, you know, you're capturing a story that's out there about a topic, you know, whether it's homeless kids or kids with disabilities or, you know, um, but there's something that you bring to the film yourself. So tell us about that process as a filmmaker. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like I, I approach it as someone who really just wants to understand, understand them and really just want, is there to listen. And so whenever I'm making these films, um, you know, I don't come in with like a list of questions. I don't have a notepad. I don't sit down with them and interview them and be like, oh, so tell me about, you know, your son's depression. No, I, I have a conversation with them. You know, we are, for looking for Luke, our conversa my conversation with the parents lasted over five hours. You know, it's a 25 minute film. But the conversation itself, like we, I am there to really connect with someone and really dig deep into who they are. You know, I, I feel like that is able to really get to the heart of who someone is, and that's my approach. That's why I like making films. That's um, what I try to do in all of my films, to really dig deeper into who we are and what matters most to us. Um, and so I just really go in there and I just really try to, to, to listen with as much compassion and empathy as I can. Yeah. And they respond, yeah. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they respond, obvious because we know that goes into the profession of yeah. practicing medicine, but also obviously because when we see the movies, we see them responding. We yeah. see the films you've made. Yeah. Um, so and the audience responds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, now it's time for us to do monumental mental health myths. Does Eric know what this is? This is where Steve and I pick random questions out of Herman, our skull. Oh. And these are monumental mental health myths that have been sent in to us about this very topic. And I'm supposed to read the first one. <laughs> and then you give one to me. <clears throat> oh, and this is, this is extremely, what a coincidence that this is extremely <laughs> relevant to what we're talking about today. Um, PowerPoints are more effective at teaching new information to large group than stories are. That's a myth. You want me to say why it's a myth? Well, but it's not just PowerPoints, but um, I think the myth is, is that teaching, that instruction occurs in a classroom and the formality of teaching is how kids and adults learn things most effectively. Isn't that why we're, we, we send our kids to school and we lecture and we, you know, I mean, isn't that, isn't that the gold standard? You know, one of my mentors in teaching told me that a lecture is information leaving the book of the lecturer to the notebook of the student without passing through the brains of either. Um, so, so nevertheless, we've all been there, right? We've all seen those slides, and it says, like, these are the 12 things you have to know about nephrotic syndrome. There's a kidney disease. Or here's the 12 things you have to know about the nuclear triad. You know, all of those uh, ways of teaching never stick. What sticks is if you tell a story, 
you say, I had a patient with nephrotic syndrome. I'm not going to tell you too much about him for confidentiality, but this is what he went through. And what about kids in school? You're talking about medicine teaching, but what about, what about, you know, what about school-age kids? We start. What about high school kids? Well, go back to school-age kids. We okay. start teaching school-age kids with stories, and then we have this illusion, and it, this is actually borne out by the literature, by the, by the educational research. We have this, this illusion that we actually need to get away from stories because there's too much information to get into a story. So we just start shoving information at them. It's like drinking out of a fire hydrant. And it's not effective, actually. They, they'll remember for the exam, but they will not imbibe it in, with any kind of emotional yeah. valence. And you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I was watching, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm working on this, this curriculum for high school students. And, I, and, they, and in this curriculum, there are a couple clips about communication and relationships from To Kill a Mockingbird. And these clips were very short. They were only like two minutes long. But Scout was telling the crowd, was trying to de-escalating de the crowd who was attacking Atticus, her father. And all I had to see was two minutes of that one and of another one. And everything about prejudice and slavery and crowd mentality and and you know how they, this family was ostracized. It all came back to me in only two minutes. I didn't need a lecture. I just needed a little reminder from the story. Because we didn't evolve to hear <laughs> powerpoints, we evolved to hear stories. Yeah, I'm and we remember the stories. Right, right. I mean, I did. I remembered the story. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't thought about that story in a long time. And yeah. you can pass it on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that's. That's why I remember everything I ever learned in Hebrew school, because there were stories. That and Robin Abramowitz set two rows up and one to the left, and I could <laughs> that's a different issue. It's a different story. Right. It's one <laughs> worth telling, but not here. Um, Dr. Brass. Uh, this is for me. Okay. <clears throat> These are totally impromptu, unprepared. Okay. Stories have no value beyond pure entertainment. Which means we just wasted 22 <laughs> minutes, whatever so we did. Just wasted right. we, we just wasted it. These are harsh. We just wasted Who wrote these? These. <laughs> these are actually things that people have said. Like, yeah. Like, like I, I've actually had an unnamed dean of education say exactly that to me. Well, right. So. Don't, don't tell jokes or stories in lectures because they're of no value and they're just entertainment. And in fact, a number of professors and deans that I've known have disparaged the notion of telling stories in lectures because they basically say this is not a, an entertainment process. This is not a satis this is not making people happy or making them laugh or engaging them. You don't. We're not. We're not entertainers. We're not academic stand-up comics, which is wrong because the whole point is, as Steve was pointing out, is is that. You get the biggest bang from your buck. I mean, look at TED, TED Talks. Look, in, 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 in a short amount of time, you can tell, or the Moth Radio Hour, just to use a couple examples that are out there, they communicate all kinds of really complicated science, among other things, by telling stories. And are they entertaining? Absolutely. But if I'm not entertained, I'm not going to pay attention. Right, so they, you got to grab people, and stories become that way of, I think, connecting. Yep, open the door. Let me open the door. So, thanks very much. Um, thank you, Eric. Thank you. Thank you for having us. me. And continuing on our 
you know, staff at the Clay Center and working on films. Yeah, and we so. look forward to your next project. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And um, keep watching. Uh, you know, write in, send us emails, send us your own stories. We'd love to hear about your stories. Um, and um, we'll see you next time. I'm Gene Bereson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. Thanks. Mm -hmm.